Hey, this is Jonathan Colton, and you're listening to Stolen Droids Podcast. Or is it the Stolen Droids Podcast? I don't know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 96. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And we are joined this week by a very special guest, John, from the uh, exemplary podcast, Google at a Glance. John, welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Zook. Thanks for asking me to come on. Now, we, we actually, uh, Schmitty and I were just on Google at a Glance. Uh, absolute honor to be on there thank you so much for having us when can we uh, when can we find you oh you can find google at a glance which is just a wrap-up of the week's google news and you can find it over at netcaststudio.com slash google we do the show every thursday night and uh, we had an especially good episode this week uh, that sounds awfully familiar <laughs> sucking up i like it i feel better about that <laughs> well we have uh, some feedback from our good friend Ruff. Yay! Yeah, uh, Ruff is, uh, John, just so you know, Ruff is actually our probably biggest fan. He writes to us the most. And we were kind of wondering what happened to him. Well, it turns out he lives in the area most affected by Hurricane Sandy. <laughs> he's been offline. That's why we haven't heard from him for a while. And he's just hope now. Hope you have heat, Ruff. Yeah, ho- hope so. But he's just now catching up on all of our episodes. So I'm going to read through this real fast. Um, hey guys, did it seem like I dropped off the planet? I lived near NYC and Storm Sandy closed my offices for November and December last year. As such, I was working remotely, no commute, and no chance to listen to your podcast. So he's safe. That's good. My offices are now reopened, and my commute is back, as is my podcast listening. Anyway, some comments on your various uh, podcasts, and don't feel that you need to include any all this in your next podcast. Well, I am anyway, because we like to pad for time. Uh, latest Iran work attacking banks. I- I did read something on that and it appeared to be attacking the bank records, which is different than I think we reported. We thought it was directly attacking their currency records. Uh, Drilling into their files and changing various Arabic words to nonsense. That doesn't strike me as smart because they can always restore it from backup, which is what we said. Um, FBI Hezbollah Twitter feed. Remember when we talked about that a few months ago? Apart from the issues you pointed out, if your enemy was using Twitter to organize their attacks, wouldn't you like them to keep doing that so you can track them? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think we brought that up. (laughs) It's kind of the obvious solution. Uh, BlackBerry slash Rim, this company will not die this year or next. I think he's referring to our prediction episode from the beginning of the year. Uh, There is enough corporate accounts, my company for one, that is still buying BB devices. By the way, my company is trailing providing corporate emails to smartphones, but you have to provide the smartphone and the data plan. No, thank you. I'm right there with you. That's why I went with Windows Phone. Uh, Xbox and Connect enjoyed your chat about eye, hand control, and TVs. One solution is to issue a conch shell with the controller and then program the controller to only recognize the person holding the shell. However, that might lead to a critical breakdown in the structure of our society. He's referencing <laughs> a book, and for the life of me, I cannot remember. Is it Lord of the Flies? Yeah, it's Lord of the Flies. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Xbox will become the next uh, next society. <laughs> the fat guy with glasses is in trouble. <laughs> oh, wait, that's all of us. Oops. <laughs> no, because he will pwn everyone at Halo. That's why he'll he'll rise to dominance. <laughs> and, and as we know, Halo is paying people to play, so... Yes. Now, Ruff actually also gave us our first headline, which, uh, which I was surprised I didn't see come across my feeds, but Huawei has now issued statement against the U.S. Uh, remember the congressional hearings, they brought up a lot of security concerns against Huawei. Uh, and it basically comes out and says, if it's it's not as if people will stop talking on the phone because the economy is weaker. They're bringing up how they make a lot of the cheaper phones, a lot of the more affordable phones. They're also the world leader in telecom switches and LTE devices. We, we've, we've brought this up before about a Chinese company, a Chinese national company, with potential ties to the intelligence agency being brought into the U.S. and being used for so much. Do you guys really think this is a concern, or do you think Huawei's backlash is reasonable, saying, hey, look, you know, we're just a company? Well, they can say they're just a company, but I, I, I guess the thing is, is a lot of us don't actually trust the Chinese. And it's not being racist, it's it's a different ideology. It's 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 almost a new Cold War. 
what if, however, their strategy isn't trying to rule us militarily, but simply become our economy? Aren't they already? Well, for the well, most well, part. Well, that's just it, though. I mean, too, too many times, too many countries have learned that they can't take over the world militarily. I mean, the last the last one to to, to at least make it a valid attempt was was Hitler, and I don't think anybody's going to get anywhere near that close again. But that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Ruff will let us know. <laughs> He'll call us on that. John, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not super familiar with this company. Do they make a lot of... I remember talking about them. They had a product that released at CES that we talked about on our show, whatever that was, last week, a couple weeks ago. But do they make a lot of... Are they a pretty popular phone manufacturer, do you they, guys think? They've come out of the shadows. Um, they're really big on things like Cricket, a lot of the prepay ones, and a okay. lot of lower-end phones. They're huge outside of the U.S., but they really made a huge splash in 2012 in the U.S. economy, uh, in the U.S. Uh, electronics market, I should say. They, they almost came out of nowhere, but all of a sudden they are everywhere now. And if you haven't heard about them, you will soon. Especially because it's, it's kind of like Nokia. Everyone says, oh, well, Nokia phones are, are crap. No one buys Nokia. I say this is the only person here with a Nokia. But in fact, Nokia <laughs> also runs Siemens, which runs uh, the networking providers across all of Europe. In that way, Huawei is also kind of has their hands in everything. Because even if you don't have a Huawei phone or have never heard of them, they provide the LTE switching equipment for almost all carriers, which okay. scares everyone in the U.S. Because oh no, Chinese people are listening to our conversations and reading all of our inane Twitters tweets. <laughs> Seeing what we had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> they saw my Instagram upload. National security is compromised. I actually want to. I want to jump um, headlines here into another one, and I'm going to kind of screw it up, but it's okay. It'll all look the same in the show notes. Uh, Lenovo, who is another Chinese company we've discussed before, they were kind of going against the trend. Remember, they were going to move their PC manufacturing to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Well, word has come down. They have been in talks with Reachers in Motion, the makers of the BlackBerry, to buy them out. So they wouldn't be based in Canada anymore, eh? Pretty much, exactly. In fact, actually, the, uh, the RIM hierarchy said, you know, we'd always want RIM to be a Canadian company, but if the offer's right, we'd take it. Let's let's be honest here. They're, they're uh, under no delusions. I've got no 75 delusions. cents somewhere. <laughs> That'll actually <laughs> buy only one stock now, one share of stock. What I find hilarious about this is, what would happen, because I, I don't know, I'm asking you guys, what would happen if all of a sudden RIM, the foreign-run company who the government uses for all their cell phones, is suddenly owned by the Chinese? I think it would be absolutely hilarious, because we've had, I mean, we've had Senate investigations into Huawei, and... You know, the, there's been espionage claims thrown against them. If they all of a sudden ended up owning RIM, that's just irony at its finest. And, and I would laugh so hard I'd probably pee myself. Well, once the laughing was done, though, what would happen in the government? Would we all of a sudden well, have to switch out? They would have to switch out, actually, because as I've mentioned before on this show, um, in a previous job, uh, we, I've had to deal with a lot of employees uh, at, at a government agency. Whenever they were leaving the country, uh, they actually had to turn in their BlackBerry and get a clean BlackBerry that they could take so that when the hack attempts happened, they weren't going to get anything. And so now if if a Chinese company now owns RIM, that may add another layer of, well, wait a second, do we really want to use these in this, like I said, quote-unquote, new Cold War well, I, I think, though, you look at the speed of government and how not fast everything that <laughs> they say... There's a lot of bureaucracy they're, there. ...they're going to do gets done. They could come out and say, well, you know, we're issuing a mandate here. Every government agency must uh, cease using Blackberries by the year 2035. You know, I, I, I envision it something like that. I don't think it's going to be an overnight thing. Oh, crap, the Chinese own rim. We need to switch out. 
Well, so. they've already they've already they've already confirmed that they can now use either Apple or Android. One of the two have actually been cleared for the amount of security on there to go ahead and have them be used. I think that might have been Android. I know the uh, the password protection on Android has actually held up to the FBI and, and different police agencies trying to break into it because they found, there was a story a while back, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but somebody, they found their phone and, and the FBI and the government was trying to get into it and they actually never were able to hack in past the Android lock screen uh, when it's, I, I believe, the the number lock. There are several different lock screens on Android, but the, if you use the number lock, it's actually pretty much impossible to break into at least at this point mm-hmm. so I, I i would think it's probably android that the at least on that point i know there are different security um measures besides just the lock screen uh but but i know android is has held up to that this story is interesting with, with rim and lenovo here i wonder what lenovo would do with rim uh, uh hopefully save it lenovo is actually a really well-built company a lot of their hardware uh, people give them crap because they always come out with these really fanciful de- designs. But I've used Lenovo. I've purchased Lenovo. They run. They IBM sold them the uh, ThinkPad series, the ThinkPad line, and the trademark there. They make really good quality hardware, and they make a lot of good business decisions, which are two things that RIM has been sorely lacking in recent years. So I think this could only really help RIM. And it would help legitimize Lenovo in the U.S. space, because even though they've been here... Oh geez, how long now? When was I, IBM's sellout to them? I mean, that was, it's been years. It's been it's almost been a years. decade, right? So, even though that's the case, how many people do you, can you walk down the street going, "Hey, I have a Lenovo," and they're going to have any clue what you're saying? They're still not that. Uh, they still don't have a name brand here. In businesses, they're a lot more pre- uh, prevalent. I know I, I've seen Lenovo's a lot more in an enterprise setting. This is true, but let's take uh, Microsoft and Apple as examples here. Microsoft is huge in enterprise, right? But Apple has proven now with their iPhones, their iPads, their iMacs, with everything i, that you don't need to be huge in enterprise if you can be huge in the consumer space. You can still be successful just on consumer recognition alone. And that's something that Huawei, Lenovo, that a lot of those companies are, are lacking in. In the U.S., yeah. Yeah. This, to me, just on the surface, kind of looks like HP buying up Palm. And, you know, you've got a a dead operating system here, uh, or at least in in the consumer space, and a company coming in to try to save them. And it would be interesting to see what Lenovo did with them. But, you know, historically, that that hasn't hasn't, uh, turned out so well for the the operating system. This is true. This could just prolong Rim's death. But hey, at least Stretch this way... out that, another couple years. Yeah, just to prove me wrong on every single prediction I've ever made about them. Curse <laughs> I, you, I Rim, kinda, just die. <laughs> I kind of think if Lenovo did buy Rim, they would they would probably keep BlackBerry 10 for the time being, seeing how Lenovo doesn't have a mobile operating system at this point. And maybe they have plans for one, and we don't know it. Well, well Rim's stock has been going up with the imminent release of the BlackBerry 10. Yeah, but stocks don't actually mean what we think they mean. It's like saying inconceivable over and over and over again. <laughs> it doesn't mean what I think it means. Uh, the stock market is literally just what a bunch of analysts are willing to say and put faith into in a company. The CEO is sick. Oh, I have a little bit less faith. So I'm going to knock the price of the stock down to what I think it is worth. It's not an actual indicator of actual financial strength. I mean, But I believe I did say that they would have a... Have a few good days on the stock market. Yes, so, yes, you're right. Hey, yeah, I, I'm going to ride that one as long as I can. <laughs> hey, when he's a broken clock, he's a broken clock. Let's move on here. Um, we're going to also move into another possible buyout. We talked last week about Dell looking to privatize, do a uh, share buyout, where it, it sells off its stocks and then actually gives money back to the shareholders in exchange for going private. Well, it looks like Microsoft is in talks of helping out with that. There's discussion of a $1 to $3 billion buyout where Microsoft would give that capital to Dell, allowing it to buy out its shareholders. Now, it's not a straight-up, we're giving it to you, it'd be a loan, and if Dell couldn't pay it back, that would be equity that Microsoft owns in Dell. I see. The so theme. it still wouldn't be private, then? 
it would be private, but it would be Microsoft privately owning them. I see this as being a great move for Microsoft. I see this as being scary as all out for Dell. How so? Well, you have two titans here, right? Dell is huge, but it's not the biggest computer company. You have HP up there, and then you have Lenovo at number two, which we already talked about. Microsoft is bigger. And Microsoft can absorb different areas of Dell production and R&D. Surface isn't so great. Hey, let's get the guys at Dell to make a Surface Pro 2. We want to make more Microsoft-branded hardware. Hey, look, we just bought ourselves a uh, an entire division. It's much like, in my mind, Google buying Motorola, except Dell's in a much better position than Motorola Mobility was when they got purchased. But are, are Dell's best days behind them? Is is this a, a questionable purchase on Microsoft's behalf? Well, I could, I could answer that, but I want to hear what you guys think. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> Someone else, quickly, answer. <laughs> answer me! <laughs> No, I think it's a good move for Microsoft. Off the top of my head, it seems like a, it seems like it would be a good move for Microsoft. I don't follow the the PC market that closely, but you know if they can have that that built in, like you said, it's similar to to what Google did with Motorola Mobility. Seems like it would be a good move. Now for Dell, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to look at them a little more closely to see see which end of it they would come out on. But it seems seems like it would be a good idea for Microsoft. Maybe they'll bring back the old spokes guy. Oh, no. No way. I hated that guy. Uh, and ever since he got, uh, what was it, busted for drug possession? I don't think Dell wants him back either. Now, Dude, Dell, you're going to jail. Dell is really trying to get bigger into the enterprise space, which is still locked up by HP. Microsoft is already huge in the enterprise space. So this could suit Dell very well in their aspirations for the enterprise. But if they can't pay back those stocks, if they can't pay back those shares, they're basically getting purchased by Microsoft, which I don't think was their intention. Just saying. Yeah, it, it is risky on their behalf, or on their from their perspective. I, I think that there's a lot more risk involved for them than there is Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, moving back, we're, we're going to... Let's go back to the proper order of the show notes. Mega Upload, which was shut down by the feds, uh, run by Kim.com, has been reincarnated and launched this week as Mega.com. Mega.co.nz. Right. It's it's basically Mega Mega Upload again. The Pretty difference much. is is, and I'm not. <laughs> this is kind of hilarious. They give you 50 gigs free just for signing up if you buy an account. And I, I don't have the prices in front of me. They'll give you 500 gigs of space. And they you take can, a Bitcoin. And you could probably, well, he'll probably take any money right now for his legal defense, but you can upload anything up there and store it or share it out. Now, the big complaint before was, of course, the U.S. and New Zealand and everyone else went after Kim.com saying, hey, look, this is just a piracy haven. People are putting up copyrighted content and you're sharing it out. You have become the distribution channel for all this whereas, as we used to call it, and we're going to shut you down. So what does he do? He just creates the same thing over again. <laughs> I, I think the biggest difference is, uh, before with, with MegaUpload.com, you could share the URL out, and anyone who had access to that to get that URL, so if you posted it in a forum or, or chat somewhere, everyone who, who saw that and copied it and pasted it into their browser now had access to that file. I think the difference here is that that file now is only accessible by people you invite to it. Right, And so instead of being able to send out a mass invite to everyone on the internet, you send it out to five or ten people with an email address, and only those people have access to it. They have to have a mega.co uh, account, um, and they can choose to share it as well, but it's that URL is only accessible through that one email address. and it's, So it, it's harder to, to share it to the masses. There's one other step that uh, Kim.com put in place here, which is actually kind of ingenious. Uh, What it does is when you sign up, it generates an encryption key, and it's a one-time generation. You you only create it once. It actually uses random movements from your mouse and your keyboard to help generate a hash. Mm -hmm. When you upload to Mega.com, Mega.co.nz, let's just call it what it is, it's just Mega Upload, when you upload to it, it <laughs> applies that encryption to what you've uploaded. So, really, if you wanted to, anyone could get that file again. 
but unless they have your encryption hash, they can't use it. They can't even see what the file is. Now, Kim.com is saying, well, this is perfect for user security. It's not. If you lose your encryption hash, he can't help you. No one can help you. You have just lost everything you have uploaded. You see, these ones, they go up to 11. Yes. <laughs> what in truth this does, however, is because Kim.com, nor anyone else running mega.co.nz, can see what is stored on their servers, they can't be hit by D- DMCA takedown notices. Because a DMCA takedown notice requires you to spe- specify what file it is you're taking down. And if no one can see what the contents of the file are, the argument is moot. So is it a loophole? It's plausible deniability is what it is. It's kind of the same thing that uh, Box and Dropbox allow you to do. If if, if I have uh, an ISO of a DVD on my Dropbox account or BoxNet account, it's really hard for uh, ad- administrators of the server to say, yes, he in fact has that file because it's encrypted on their end. So it's kind of the same thing. It's uh, They've gotten a little more secure, a little more um, legal, uh, following the legal guidelines of, of the DMCA, so yeah, it's it's it's, it's plausible deniability. dot com <laughs> is really what it is. <laughs> Quick, has that been taken? I I wonder though, is anyone going to trust him though? The last time anyone uploaded anything to his servers, it got seized by the feds, and there was legitimate stuff in there too. The internet's full of stupid people. They'll they'll flock right to him. Hmm. I wonder if it's just a notoriety thing. It could be. Yeah. It could be. The guy's famous now. Dude, I have this all this stuff uploaded to Mega.com. It's my grandma's brownie recipe, but hey, you know, it's on that hacker site, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> and if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Right. Uh, trying to help us from becoming pirates. Uh, Stark, this is actually your headline. I'll let you take this one. Yeah, basically, uh, um, Actually, it's not TSR. TSR doesn't own Dungeons and Dragons anymore, so we probably might want to change that on the uh, on the uh, on the headline news there. But Wizards of the Coast owns the Dungeons and Dragons franchise. Well, a lot of people don't like the new Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, was it 4.0 right now? Yeah, 4.0. A lot of them are still playing the older versions, 2.0, 3.5, and basically you can't find the books anymore. So a lot of people have been basically going to the download sites, torrent sites and stuff, and downloading them illegally. Well, for the longest time, Wizards of the Coast said, yeah, we're never going to release these on PDF, we're never going to release these in PDF. Well, they finally went, well, look at all this money we're losing by not having an illegal source of the books available for people to go ahead and get on PDF. So now they've went ahead and reversed their decision, and essentially most of the PDFs are only five bucks. So if you can have a legal copy that you can go ahead and use and go ahead and run, a lot of people are probably going to go back and end up using it. But the, the reason I put this, this article in here is that one of the quotes in here from the uh, publishing and licensing director was, we didn't want them to go to torrent sites. Why not give them a legal route? And this is something that we've been actually been telling since one of, one of our very first shows. If we can get the content at a legal site at a reasonable price, we'll go do it. And so I think Wizards of the Coast finally learned this. Oh my gosh, I mean, someone is actually following the whole motto of make it more accessible and people will do it. Make it accessible to your customers, your paying customers. (laughs) Who knew? And this will work. So, but yeah, I guess one of the biggest reasons this was news is because Wizards of the Coast for the longest time said, we're not going to release PDF of the old stuff, we're not going to release any of this other things. Yeah, we know there's new Dragon Magazine coming out called Gygax Magazine, but you know what, we're, we're not, we're not going to do this. And all of a sudden, whoop, this is a complete whole total 180 from, from what they were doing before. I think basically a little light bulb went onto somebody's head over there went, oh yeah, um, look at all this money we're not getting. Yeah. Speaking of money, um, Guess who didn't get some? Apple. Me. Me. <laughs> well, I know. The obvious answer is all of us, but Amazon and <laughs> Apple have had an interesting and tumultuous affair going on here. And Amazon has just one-upped the game against Apple. Now, like a year and a half ago, I want to say, we reported on Amazon re- launching their cloud player service and their locker service. And we haven't really reported much on that since. However, they just introduced a new little feature here 
that will allow you, and it's been optimized, their new Cloud Player service has been optimized for iPhone, iPads, all iOS devices. You can now purchase music through your web browser, add it to your locker, and play it through the web player. You still can't download it to your device and have it added into your iTunes library. That doesn't work. Well, actually, you know, I take that back. You can add it to your cart, download it, add it to your web player, to the cloud player, play it, then the next time you plug your phone or iPad into iTunes, it will sync across into your iTunes library. Little bit, you know, roundabout, a little convoluted there, but it works. The key is, is by doing it this way, they have bypassed Apple's terms of service and are not paying Apple the 30% cut that they take for any purchases made in the iTunes store. <laughs> I don't know how long this is going to last. <laughs> I, I'm amazed. Yep, it's, it will be an amok time battle between the two of them. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that Apple actually let this app go through with as many restrictions as they have on. It's not web. an app; it's a website. Or, I, you know what I mean. I'm su- I'm surprised that they haven't locked it down. Yeah, I I I just I, I can't believe Apple allowed this one to to slip through the cracks like it did. I. You know, it's not going to go unanswered, though. You know they're going to have a response. Yeah, that they're, sounds they're like vengeful. This sounds like something that's not going to be out there for very long. Take advantage of it while you can. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> if only to uh, help Amazon give the middle finger to Apple. Uh, you know who else gave the middle finger to Apple? The stock market. Uh, this week, Apple had the worst day it's had ever since '08. Since, since the tech stock, uh, the yeah, the tech. Base companies all had a stock crash in 08. Uh, granted, they're still making money hand over fist, but it fell 12%. The 12%. reason why they're still making money is because there's still Kool-Aid drinkers out there. Well, yeah, it's momentum. That's currently what they're running on. Uh, and it is coming right after their earnings call, where even though the executive board didn't really say much about it, you can tell iPhone and iPad sales have started to level out and fall off. And iPad sales are starting to cannibalize um, their desktop and laptop lines. They're not selling as many desktops and laptops now because the iPad has become more powerful and because Mac OS X has become dumbed down to iOS levels. I don't know how much longer they can coast on this. Well, we've talked about this before. That, in fact, I think in our prediction show, didn't didn't we think that this could be the year that Apple runs out of gas? I mean, it just they they aren't innovative. They haven't done anything really cool with their stuff for years. They give us something new every six months, but it's more of the same. It's just better hardware. They just change the size slightly. Yeah, they just they just upgrade the specs, but there's nothing revolutionary about anything that they're giving us. I mean, Siri so, isn't even as popular as it was when it first came out. Siri who? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Siri, I don't even call her anymore. John, we talked about on your show just an hour ago about how Android is leaving iOS in the dust. I, I know you're typically a Google guy, but do you see Apple being able to coast like this for much longer before they come back and finally do a redesign or reinvent themselves again? I think their overlap issue is, is interesting that they have such a such a wide overlap with, with their different products. Like you said, that they, that people are now going for a tablet instead of a laptop now because it, it has a a better screen, uh, it can do just about as much, and, and you know they're Apple is making them more similar, which you think that wouldn't be in their best interest. And also, I think that the, you know, with, with the the seven inch, the iPad Mini, uh, and that came out with that the awful screen on it, and, and then the non Retina screen, and which was clearly just Apple saying, "Hey, we're going to hold out, so this is another feature on the next version." And you know, I don't think people like that, and I think pe- people take notice when when they do stuff like that, and that they're again not not innovating, and they need something to to restart them. Certainly, it will be interesting to see which features they rip off of Android and Windows Phone, and claim that they've innovated and reinvented <laughs> until they get called out on it again. Next time, their new, time, their new that headphone jacks. 
Sorry, what was that, Schmitty? I was going to say that, like their their new notification center they just patented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they got away with that. Right, right. up there with a rounded rectangle. We, well, we may be seeing headphone jack on the side next time. No, no, they're going to reinvent the phone. Headphone jack directly middle of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be interesting. You know what? I could see them doing that. <laughs> All right. Um, into very odd and convoluted news. Uh, that's the best way I can segue here. CNET, uh, a company who we all respect highly. We love them. We were partially inspired by one of their best podcasts. Well, they were covering CES. Warning, there's going to be a lot of C acronyms here in this, this article. <laughs> Every year they've done this, they have awarded the best of CNET, of CES. CNET's best of CES. One of the contenders, and supposedly the winner, was going to be the Dish Network Hopper, that built-in DVR system that allows you to automatically skip commercials and stream out your, uh, your recorded shows to other units around the house. Uh-huh. Well, here's the problem. CNET's parent company is CBS. There's the other C. And they said no. We're currently involved in litigation. We're suing Dish because we don't like that hopper. You have to take it off the list, and you have to re-vote. It is, Whoops. It's so bad that one of, their head, one of CNET's head writers quit over it. But even after that, C- CBS then came out and said, CNET is 100% editorial independent. And always will be. And always will be. Which, I'm not sure how they thought they could get away with saying that, considering we all have the internet and we can all read these stories. <laughs> what almost reminds me of a local radio station that kept claiming that they were local and independent, yet they were owned by one of the big, gigantic radio network conglomerates that were, was cross-country. You're just like, yeah. I, but, go ahead. You know, I, I've, I have had a lot of issues with CNET for a long time. I don't trust them one bit. Uh, I was actually reading they I don't even know if they still do it or not because I never go to their site but they used to feature like horrible malware stories on their site where people would write in and say oh you know I'm an IT pro and my dad got this virus and it was horrible and this is what I had to do and then all of a sudden I noticed my antivirus was disabled as I'm reading through these and then all of a sudden my computer just went to crap and it had to be reformatted because I contracted a virus from them um, so I don't trust CNET at all so it doesn't surprise me that well, they well doesn't CNET own download.com and doesn't download.com have all those extra features that come with the files you download now oh well yep. they don't even allow you to download they make you install their their CNET custom their, their custom downloader that does it for you and it yeah it's it's not the software you're downloading from them that has the viruses but the their downloader has some security flaws in it and that's where yeah. attackers are getting you so. yeah so but i i don't trust them one bit so it doesn't surprise me at all that that this happened it it's very unfortunate though the, we should very know, this is totally why we don't accept big money from publishing companies because we want to remain completely independent for you, the listener. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the fact that we've never been offered big money. <laughs> I've got a price. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, CBS, we're not saying not to. <laughs> but, but CBS if you want to send us to Jericho Vegas. off. CBS did cancel Jericho not once, but twice. They'd have to. My price would be high for them. <laughs> See, that, that's Zoner's second biggest rage after uh, Mr. Lucas. Oh, what geez, doesn't enrage Zoner? And in any case, <laughs> I what, have I anger is, issues. what I find hilarious is that Dish Network later put on their ad for the Hopper, voted best a device of C- CES asterisk <laughs> with a huge old asterisk on the ad. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I think it's hilarious. They were voted. I mean, they're not. It's not misrepresenting. It, it's it's not false advertising. Yeah. I, I just find this very unfortunate. It's more from hero worship than anything, because I loved CNET for quite a time there. I say good to the guy who, who resigned. You know, uh, though it was certainly unfortunate that he had to do so, but you know, at least he stood up for what he believed was wrong. 
totally agreed. I agree. I don't know if I would have the cojones to do that, to be perfectly but That's honest. what I was thinking, too. I'm not sure I would be willing to, to give up my job for that. I, I have kids. I have I have bills. I In this economy, to be able to stand up for yourself, I'm not sure I'd be able to do it. You've got a sushi habit. Yes, well, we all have our vices. <laughs> he is Japanese, though, so it's okay. I need Are my that- raw fish. <laughs> That's the weirdest racial stereotype ever. <laughs> the only reason you can get away with it. Yep. Okay, um, Atari. I was kind of surprised by this headline. Not because surprised because of what it's saying, because surprised that it hadn't already happened years ago, but they have finally filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, what I thought was interesting is that both the American side and, what was, was it the French side? The French side of the company, they both filed for bankruptcy separately. Almost like they're trying to split off from each other. Mm-hmm. Well, they've, they've filed... Mm, the French company is going out of business and has filed bankruptcy. Atari US has filed for bankruptcy protection in order to separate from the whole kerfuffle happening overseas. I thought this was surprising because I honestly thought that Atari... Didn't they get bought up by Blizzard? I don't I know if it was no Blizzard, clue. but I know at one point in time, Atari was supposed to have been involved in that Star Trek Online, and then eventually got pulled out of that as well. Right. No, I'm, I'm confused, because Blizzard and Activision merged, and then Blizzard gave, and Activision gave half their stuff over to Atari, which... And Hasbro was bought by Atari under the Infogrames division, I think. Um... We need to break out a flow chart because <laughs> it gets confusing. It's almost like the uh, the Zelda timeline. Yeah, it's so convoluted here. In any case, we've known for a long time Atari's in trouble. I mean, hasn't Atari been in trouble since the twenty six hundred? I was going to say I remember playing the twenty six hundred many years ago. But that's okay. His owner's still older than I am lately. <laughs> Not as no, old. No, I'm older than Schmitty. No one's older than you except Dirt and God. Oh hey. wait! Um. <laughs> well, That's the, the thing is, is like when the company started out having hot tubs in the hallways for their programmers, you knew they weren't going to last long. Almost like those be... NFL stars suddenly blowing all their money. <laughs> yeah, it's like something off a bad sitcom from the '80s. <laughs> Atari, made from hookers and coke. I mean, really, that was the byline for the company for the for a long time. There <laughs> sounds like their biography. <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame them. If, if I made millions of dollars off of a game device, I I can't say I wouldn't be driving a Ferrari and sipping pina coladas all day. I, yeah. I think I'd follow the Google model. I'd make more millions. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that, that tends to be preferable. But Zook, you're evil. No, no. Then I'd adopt a motto that says, don't be evil. See, <laughs> then you know that I'm okay. I won't be <laughs> as evil. How does that sound? But hookers and blow. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. Um, Joko. We love Joko. Jonathan Speaking Colton. Speaking of hookers and blow. <laughs> we've, had, <laughs> we've had him on the show, actually. We've oh, interviewed boy. him on the Stolen Droids Presents. <laughs> love the guy dearly. He is currently engaged in a very interesting battle of sorts against, of all entities, Glee on Fox TV. Is it is it well is it, is it just Glee or is it Glee and Fox? More just Glee. Well, well, Glee is owned by Fox, so it could just be Fox. I I don't know. So, but yeah, basically, what happened is a few years ago, Jonathan Colton released a cover of Sir Mix-a-Lot's uh, timely classic uh, or timeless classic "Baby Got Back." Did a nice. Um, Melodic. He he added a melody to it actually. Like through lounge some... version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, like... I remember. I remember sending this file to Zook for the first time. I remember it's Zook like Air... going. I remember Zook's response to hearing this song for the very first time, and he's like, "That was actually not what I was expecting at all." Yeah, it, it's like elevator music, um, ghetto style. But, but um, Jonathan C had added his own words to it, at least in one part of the, of the song. And yeah, his he, own duck. He changed some changed some stuff, added a quack uh, to remove some objectionable language, if as if the whole song 
couldn't be found objectionable by, by, objectionable by some. But um, Glee basically went ahead and said, we're going to do Baby Got Back. And they did his version. And not only did they do his version, they used his music. They used everything. They didn't, they just even, they didn't even change the lyrics. No, they even used the quack. And they gave him absolutely no credit. So he's he had got... no idea it was happening. He didn't know about it until after it happened. I'm wondering if somebody at Fox thought this was the, uh, the, 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 the original version or something. I think more likely they saw that he gave his music away. He has a Creative Commons license. That I think they figured, oh, well, he's Creative Commons. He won't care. Yeah. Except well, for the fact that... It... Sorry, go ahead. This isn't the first time Glee has done this. So they... they... They redo a lot of people's music without asking for permission, and I, I think there's only been one or two that they've had that they've actually sought permission for, and I think it was for uh, the um, Michael Jackson songs, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But uh, they really haven't gone down the legal chains, and I don't think most people have been caring for the most part. Um, so this is really the first one that I've heard come to come through the news outlets. So. Now, I don't know if anything is actually happening today or not, but Jonathan Colton did tweet today, and we're talking about the 24th, that he says, I have some news, I'm angry, and I will be posting about it later. Ooh, so this story will be updating. Yes. (laughs) Which leads us well into our ad break here, our our little intermission. Uh, We are sponsored, of course. This show is brought to you by our friends over at squarespace.com. And, you know, no one here on the panel knows more about uh, building a website than Schmitty. Schmitty, what's the hardest part about building a website? You know, I think I'd have to say website design, getting the the colors to match up right, uh, getting everything spaced out exactly how you want it, um, and getting the right fonts is is even really, really hard. So I'd say that's the hardest part. Well, the good news is is that the guys over at Squarespace.com have gotten that taken care of for you. For, with their new Layout Engine 6, you can build a website in under an hour. You can get it registered, you can get it hosted, designed, and live all in under an hour. And with their new, with that Layout Engine, it is the strongest, easiest, fastest way to make a professional-looking website. Their designs are incredible. Their friendly staff is available 24-7 to help you. And if our listeners go on over to squarespace.com slash SD or use the promo code SD1, SD for Stolen Droids, they can get an extra 10% off their already fantabulous prices. So, uh, Schmitty, you may not need it, but I know a lot of other people could sure use it. Head on over to squarespace.com. Get that taken care of and tell them we sent you. Our talking point this week is uh, a little bit personal, actually. Hits close to home. Uh, Not just for us. uh, John, it it will be for you as well. But a company has come out of the shadows, a patent troll, called Personal Audio LLC. They claim that they own the patents on podcasting. Now, if you're not familiar with the term podcasting, I'm confused because you're listening to a podcast, <laughs> but typically, what's the best way to say this? People usually say a podcast is spoken audio or serial audio released in an episode form. It's your own radio show, or it's a radio show you can download or listen to on your computer. They say they own the rights to that. Now, this patent that they filed for was originally meant for in the 90s, talking about radio, it was only granted to them and awarded to them finally last year. Uh, No, I I take that back, uh, the year before, July of 2011. And so, starting the beginning of last year, they decided to start going after big podcasters. How big? Well, they've already sued Adam Carolla. They've gone after How It Works. And they went after Apple for iTunes and got $8 million out of it. If you're wondering why the podcast directory in iTunes is so hard to navigate now and why it's actually off their main page, that's why. Yeah, this is unfortunate. <laughs> now, I'm not really sure what the question should be here for this week's talking point, because we all kind of agree it sucks, but more than any other patents we've heard about, is this something that can even be patented? Well, I was one... Well, <sighs> On that question, 
well, you can try to patent anything, but being successful, I'm wondering if somebody at, 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 the, at the patent office just didn't get what this was about. I'm wondering, if, I'm wondering if there should be like a review board, if enough people protest a certain patent, if there should be like a review on it. I think people think that about about 99% of the patents that have been issued in the last 25 years. Yeah, rectangle with rounded corners, for example. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Wizards of the Coast—they own they own Magic the Gathering. They actually uh, patented, or no, 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 they trademarked. Never mind, trademark's different. I'll, I'll, I withdraw. Ooh, using the legal terms, I like it. Uh, here's the actual patent: patent number eight one one two five zero four. Quote: System for disseminating media content representing episodes in a serialized sequence. End quote. How is this not also going against, say, every piece of media ever? So they're not... Okay, so so now I'm confused. They're not actually going... It's not saying you can't make a podcast. It's saying you can't distribute a podcast? Their system for disseminating the media. So What if you RSS randomly feeds? number them? Blog posts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll just we'll just attach a random number generator to every single podcast episode. This is podcast start eight four seven one three nine point four. But but let me ask you know, John, you have another show, Google at a glance, who I will pimp again because you guys are awesome and you should definitely be listening to them. Uh, don't you feel kind of almost attacked, almost singled out? Why aren't they going against say CBS? Why aren't they going against you know TV shows are disseminated in a serialized sequence? It does seem a little weird here, and I think one of you may have mentioned it that uh, things like this. I, I wonder how many, you know, the things like this happen all the time, though, with this type of the people suing over patents similar to this, and the whole patent system just seems like it's kind of, uh, you know, messed up that somebody is able to do this and actually get money out of companies like Apple, and that that actually happens over some, something that is clearly. And I'm also still a little bit confused. So the it's it's over the kind of the the the, the classifying of the exactly how, how you release it and how you distribute it. I unfortunately I'm looking right here at the patent and it reads like stereo instructions, except for the fact that I'm a geek, so stereo instructions make sense. <laughs> Are you in Europe? Do you need an adapter? They're saying they're saying these three people. James D. Logan, uh, Daniel F. Gosling, and Charles G. Call invented the system for disseminating media content representing episodes in a serialized sequence. So they invented the internet? Or internet nothing. They invented Little Orphan Annie. They invented iTunes? They invented radio waves. I mean, the idea of telling a story in sequence... <laughs> it's kind of... Yeah, it's, it's the way we tell stories as humans. It's not... Uh, I, I think the uh, what they're trying to boil down to is is the digital way they're you're disseminating it, um, which is still I, I think, in my opinion, it's non-patentable. It's like it's like trying to patent email the the way an email system works. It's, it's, I'll go one step further. It, to me, it's like them trying to patent the the concept of standing up on two feet to walk. It's how we tell stories. You go back to hieroglyphs. You know, it's media representing episodes in a serialized sequence. So, in other words, Star Wars is safe because it was out of sequence. <laughs> it was not serialized at all. Wow, Lucas did something right. He didn't even know it. <laughs> He's the only one that can't be sued here. Jeez, that guy's a genius. <laughs> I... I I get the feeling that this is an extortion racket, because we are not, and when I say we, I mean the podcast industry, the podcast family, I don't even know if you can call us an industry yet, but we are not the Hollywoods of America, we are not, or the world, we're not the, the t television networks. If these guys were to try and go against, you know, try and go against CBS or Fox or Comcast or, or anyone, they would get their butts handed to them. But they're, but they're going against Apple, and Apple's got as many lawyers as CBS. Yeah, but $8 million is a drop in the bucket for Apple. Do you wonder if maybe Apple just didn't care to fight it? I wonder if their lawyers would have cost more than $8 million. Well, with it being only $8 million, I'm guessing they probably just let it go. The problem with that is that it 
gives a dangerous legal precedent. That, yes, it does. Oh, hey, they won. That must be the, mean they're in the right. Okay, let's start that steamroller. Now, but you, if you look though at the people who are podcasters, it's guys like us. Most podcasters aren't making money hand over fist. You know, there are the exceptions out there that are able to to make a living doing it. But a lot of a lot of people is just guys with neck beards in their basements. Not yeah, that we're, we're speaking we're... from experience or anything. We're and not I'm not in a basement. I'm in my living room. I just shaved. Um. <laughs> yeah, if they, if they go to like some type of license thing where you have to pay to make a podcast, that's not going to bode well with most most podcasters. It may even kill most podcasts. Are, yeah. are we going to have to go to like a black market thing where we record it in secret and then uh, distribute it through like torrents and stuff? And <laughs> Death of the podcast. Kim, here, here, here's your Kim dot com uh, link to the <laughs> Stolen Droids cast. Oh geez, that was, but it does come across as extortion to me. Now, uh, I was telling my friends about this, uh, my my real life friends. Not that you guys aren't, you know what I mean. And they were just kind of <laughs> wondering. Well, well, they kind of said, "Well, don't worry about it. You guys aren't exactly at the top of the list, so you don't have to worry about them coming down to you." The danger is, is that the way the podcast industry is. We don't need to wait for them to come down and hit the Googles of a, at a glance of the world or the stolen droids of the world. All we need is the upper tier, the upper echelon of podcasts to fall, mm-hmm. and it'll domino right down the rest of us. Yeah, we, the reason why a lot of the companies go after the bigger pirates is because then they know the smaller pirates will, will basically fall into line. Even Paramount, when they were suing the companies that were making you know, unauthorized Star Trek books, they went after some of the bigger ones, and then the, some of the smaller ones just said, it's not worth it for us to get into any type of legal trouble. Yeah. John, what would happen, do you think, to, to Netcast if something like this came down the pipe to you guys? Uh, yeah, well, certainly it would it would dramatically change how we distribute the the shows and the, the podcasts. I'm wondering if this, what exactly is going to happen to it? I mean, they've already hit here a couple big names. Can they just go down the list and, and keep getting money from whoever else they want to get it from? I mean, uh, where does this, it's got a Stop at some point. Is at some point somebody's got to tell them, okay, this, you know, well, you've done enough here, or, or we're going to change this or something. I, I don't see where I don't. I'm wondering where this where this ends up. What do you, what do you guys think on where this ends up? Stopping? Well, one of the things I was wondering about because we were wondering where I have to agree. Where does this end up? I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of it, listeners who are listening to us here. They're going to be listening to us on TrekRadio.net or, or, or uh, KryptonRadio.com. They're probably going to want to say, I don't want to have stolen droids or any of my other favorite shows go away. What can I do? You know, we, we've all protested SOPA and PIPA. We've all gone against that lawyer who was stupid enough to go against the oatmeal guy. Basically, what, what can we do to get the, get, get the voices rising up again to, to, to prevent us from losing our podcast? I'm not saying podcast is a huge media like radio or TV. We want it to be. <laughs> yeah, we want it to be, but there is still going to be enough people who are going to say, we don't want this to go away, and they're going to ask, what can we do? Well, I think a lot of that is going to be on, a lot, as Stark said, you the listeners, realizing and us getting it out to the listeners that it, it isn't just going to be affecting us. The wording of this patent applies to all things. So if you are listening to us on iTunes or on the Zoom Marketplace or on Stitcher.com or on TrekRadio.net or CryptonRadio.com, this patent applies to everything you listen to. It is 90% of the content out there. Yeah. And if it doesn't stop with us, where will it stop? It's going to require actual public uh, public opinion to go against it. Otherwise, uh, pretty much everything is fair game for them, and I don't know what we'd do. I, I, I kind of like the idea, actually, of going underground and becoming a pirate station, but I don't know how to do that. <laughs> We you all got to get eye patches. And you don't want to make me research this again. I just figured out podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to parrot. I don't want to do this. I, wonder, I don't want to parrot. I wonder how this applies to something like a YouTube show. Yeah, I, I'm subscribed to many YouTube channels. They have regularly uh, serialized episodes. Those, too, would be affected. I yeah, absolutely. Well, wouldn't this basic... Wouldn't this basically shut down the entertainment industry as we know it? Only if they decide to let it. Only if the people who are filing the lawsuits and trying to enforce the patent 
want it to. If they can try and keep it isolated to the small fry of the world and not make huge waves, they can just make money off of us, which is what I think is their plan. I think that's their strategy. If they have enough money to buy their islands and their and their fast cars, they'll be good, and they'll stop bugging their us. Their hookers and blow, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if only it weren't for our family safe rating, that would so be the show title. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we want to th- hear what you guys think about it. Feedback at StolenDroids.com, and please research this. We may not, not be the only show on the cutting block that you listen to. We want to know. Uh, into our favorites, I will start off. Uh, special thanks out to Blogography.com, uh, Dave Simmer, the second uh, friend of ours, who brought this to my attention, but it is called a website called CanIStream.it. Can I stream it? A lot of people are cutting the cord and going to streaming and whatnot. This site helps to legitimize you. Type in what TV show or movie you want to see, and it will tell you where you can stream it, buy it, download it, all legally. Well, that's cool. It is beyond cool. And they have mobile apps. They have mobile apps on iPhone, on Google, on on Windows Phone. They have a little browser plug-in for Chrome. It is the coolest little service I've ever seen in my life. It is so handy. It's so easy to use. Canistream.it. Check it out. You won't be sorry. That's cool. All right. Um, speaking of streaming, basically, I have a YouTube video for my favorite, um, which I know tends to be half of our favorites. But you know what? When we see something, we tend to go, hey, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, somebody made a parody video about all of the other princesses meeting Princess Leia. And then we're talking about all the other Disney princesses. And it's actually interesting because one of the more interesting lines is about how Vader is force-choking Mickey. So uh, go check it out. Actually, very well done for a bunch of fans, but uh, uh, watch it and be entertained. It's one of those things where you might not be able to get the tune out of your head either. Okay. Uh, My favorite this week is actually a comic book from, I don't know, 2000-something, 2000, 2001, sometime around that then. Um, It is... A DC uh, trade paperback uh, called Identity Crisis, written by Brad Meltzer. You may know him from Decoded on the History Channel. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, This is probably one of the best comic books I've read in a very long time. It was a seven-issue series in which the elongated man's wife is murdered, and you've basically got the Justice League trying to solve the murder uh brad Meltzer does comic books amazingly amazingly well he's he's most known for his run on green arrow and you can really see his love of the character um oliver queen and green arrow in this book he writes it fabulously i highly recommend it check it out nice uh, my favorite this week is another video that was brought to uh, my attention through Gizmodo um, from from Zook. Actually, he sent me the link. Um, it's uh, it's titled "Why the Moon Landings Could Have Never Ever Been Faked." Um, I've I've always uh, tried to keep up on on all the uh, conspiracy theorists on why they think the moon landings were faked, and I I always kind of. Uh, chuckled at him silently, and um, and this video uh, takes the cake of all all the uh, the the myth busting going out there. I don't know if I can use that term legally, um, but uh, they even go they go further to even pr- prove like the physics and everything. They even the cameras that were needed to fake it didn't even exist in that time period. So um, this video is really good a good watch. So go ahead and watch it. And I will finish out the favorites here. And there is a article also on Gizmodo. And it has a photo that is a concept drawing that the U.S. military has drawn up. And it shows, talks about uh, laser turrets that they are installing on jets uh, now or will be soon. Or at least this is a concept for the military that they're looking into. And uh, very Star Wars-ish. And they said that they are... Uh, they are for surface-to-air missiles and rockets taking them out, and they, that would be some uses 
of the lasers. So very interesting. Cool. But do they go pew, pew, pew? <laughs> That's an uh, added feature, actually. That'll cost another couple trillion in, in research. I'm just wondering if they're on sharks as well. You know, if we could get them on a shark's head. That is actually <laughs> what we need to uh, reclaim U.S. dominance in the world. I, I think so. It would go a long ways. Hey, if you haven't already noticed, we had an awesome interview uh, last night, actually, with the incredible Stephanie Thorpe on Stolen Droids Presents number 7. Uh, go ahead, head on over to our site, pick it up. She was awesome. You will, uh, Your life will be better for having listened. We hope to have her I on concur. again. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, you can reach him at, I'll hand it to you. Uh, netcaststudio.com slash Google is the name of the show, Google at a Glance check it out. I do. You're on my subscription list. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Mine too. <laughs> until next time, special shout out to our friends at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, stitcher.com, and openbookaudio.com. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. <laughs>